This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Alright, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. And today, my lovely wife, Marsha. Um, so, today we're going to talk about uh, basically preparing for spring. Um, after this election, I know everything's, uh, people are stressed and, and, oh, you know, I don't know if my world's going to change or whatever. Well, the best thing is preppers. The thing's that is to focus on the things that we can control and what we can control is what we do. And as a prepper, we prepare, right? We, we make sure we're able to take care of ourselves if things don't go the way we want them to in the world. And a lot of that is ensuring that our family has food, that our family's protected, that, you know, we can basically look out for and take care of what we care about. And, one of the big times to really kind of dig in is in the spring. Um, we do a lot of preparing and getting ready to ensure that we're going to have a great harvest and, and be able to produce the food and do the things that we want to do. So I wanted to take some time and talk about what kind of seeds you could be starting now and things you could kind of, you know, start to take action on now, even though it's colder weather and people are like, you know, it's hard to think about a garden when there's snow on the ground, you know, but, uh, this is, uh, you know, it's the time, time to start focusing on that. So Kevin, what do you have in mind for kind of getting ready for spring? Well, I always like to do a big, uh, an early push on my garden. Cause I, I find that 90% of the work I do on my garden is April and May, you know, trying yeah. to get all the seeds in the ground, the dirt turned over, all, you know, everything, everything together, all my tools organized. There's a lot of that stuff though, that, uh, you can, you can move back and get ready, you know, before the grounds, you know, ready for you. 
Uh, right yeah. now, it's 18 degrees out at, at my house. It's not, you know, I'm not out there turning over the dirt right now. But that doesn't mean there's not a lot of stuff that can still get done. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that, that you can do is just go through all your tools, you know, get everything organized, make sure that, you know, any any of the tools or, or anything that broke over the last last summer, you've, you've got replacements, uh, you've got, you know, everything is sharpened up and cleaned up and ready to go. Um, and that's, Sharp that's is really a, key, I think, for a lot of tools. Yeah, 100%. Um, definitely makes weeding a little bit easier, right? Mm-hmm. Weeding, but digging. You forget that you wear it down, you're hitting rocks and all that stuff. If you put a nice sharp edge on anything, and a lot of times when you buy a new tool, it's not sharp either. So you have to learn how to really sharpen it, put a nice clean edge on things. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that when it comes to, you know, to your basic tools like shovels and and you know, picks and, and a million different things. People don't really think about, think about that as much as, uh, you know, it saves some, some back pain. Yeah. It's a lot less pressure. Just think of your knives in your kitchen dull. You press so super hard and that's when you slide and you get hurt. But if it's sharp, you have to put hardly any pressure on it. Right. Right. That's a good point. Um, Another thing that I, I like to like to look at is, is all my fencing, you know, over the winter, you know, branches fall, you know, you have storms, uh, you know, things tip over and damage your fencing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a good time to kind of clean everything out and assess the damage that you've got over the winter and, uh, you know, just kind of, um, get things up to, uh, up to a, a good, you know, safe point. Right. Now we definitely, uh, you know, I mean, over the winter we had a tree fall and, and, you know, take out one of the fences, um, actually a couple of times, uh, we have a fair amount of fence. So, um, we ended up, you know, having to replace a bunch. I know we had some issues with rabbits last year. Um, we did welded wire fence, but, uh, we didn't do like rabbit fence, you know, with the really small holes. And so we just actually received uh, some new rabbit fence yesterday because, man, I couldn't find any locally. You know, I kept trying and and nobody seemed to stock anything and things are tough. But we ordered some and and the giant box came. It's funny, I had ordered it and, you know, it was so long ago that I didn't even know, you know, the box came and I'm like, I have no idea what's in that box. Cause I'm like, I didn't order any tractor implements or whatever. Cause you know, it was huge. And, uh, sure enough, that's what it ended up being. Um, but yeah, so that's it. We're out taking care of fence. Um, a lot of our trails and paths, we went, we grabbed all the uh, dead branches yesterday, loaded them up in the pickup truck. And, uh, you know, I drove around the trails through the woods. We filled up the bed of the pickup through it. I had actually just plowed a big field. Um, that's a new thing that, that we started doing where we actually have a big plow for the tractor and we we're able to turn over the field. And honestly, the fall is really the time to do that. Cause we have a lot of grass, you know, that we want to kill. You want to turn that over, but we ended up, we did it now because obviously better now than not, you know, not ever. Um, but what we did, we went around the trail and we grabbed all the dead branches and trees and stuff that I'd just been pushing to the side and we're, we're piling up. 
and we threw them in the middle of the, the field that we plowed and we had a giant fire to get all that carbon and ash to kind of mix back in. Um, we made a uh, trip to our local feed and whatever store yesterday and, uh, you know, talked to them about, hey, can we get, you know, a couple yards of compost delivered? And, you know, when I say a couple, a lot. Um, but, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, to basically mix in the soil. We have a lot of clay and stuff like that. And you need something to break it up and start to, you know, bring it into something. Um, once you get it established, you know, it's not so bad. This is a, a newer, you know, field for us. So that's something new. But you also want to think about maybe starting what you can start to plant. Like you said, the fences, you know, get everything in order. Um, one of the big steps we're taking is making a seed room. Um, the big thing is like a lot of people will start seeds in their house, in their basement, wherever, something like that. Um, we have another building that we're using to do that. But in order to do that, we obviously have to heat it to keep it warm or there's no real difference than being outside. So with that, we have to, uh, you know, up the insulation and set that up. So that kind of stuff is, you know, what we're focusing on and, you know, getting things ready so we can really start the seeds. And that's a big thing, you know, being prepared and ready to go, you know, hit the ground running. If you don't have snow on the ground too, you can pick an area where you want to grow. You can take notes on how the sun hits because you need at least six hours for most vegetables. Start taking notes now. It'll be different because your trees will leaf out and give a lot more shade than you're thinking of now because you have bare limb trees. So the sun filters through a lot quicker, but you can start to notice which part of your yard or or even a neighbor or something like that, that has some unused land that might let you grow something there. Look for big sun. And if you're not covered with snow, you can put a tarp down because that'll kill grass. And that needs several weeks to be effective. If you can keep it on for three months, that's going to do nothing but help you because it'll kill the grass. It'll be a little haven for earthworms and beneficial bugs and everything like that. And you'll have a head start for when you actually want to plant stuff. Yeah, I think that's a good point. A lot of people don't, don't, um, uh, you know, it, it's real easy to set up a raised bed and, uh, you know, just, just, uh, throw a tarp over the grass underneath it. And then, you know, spring comes, throw some dirt in there and you already have some compost in the bottom of your bed. Uh, yes. you know, starting the soil down there, you know, uh, potassium, you're talking about, uh, potash or ashes in the garden, right? You know, that adds a lot of potassium. Um, but it also makes it, uh, you know, it can, it can affect the pH of the soil and make it, if you use too much, you can, you can damage the soil. Yeah. You have to be it, pretty sparing on that. And if you right. like, we have really acidic soil here, so we could be a little bit more loose with it, but if you have mm -hmm. really loamy soil, then you don't want to use a lot because it does have a lot of potassium, but it does have carbon too. So where we are, it's such heavy clay that the burnt stuff, leaves, twigs, all that stuff help aerate the soil. But if you already have fluffy soil, then you don't want to use a lot of ash in it. Right. Right. Yeah. And compost is really great for, for nitrogen in the soil. And, you know, you have to be conscientious of the, the, what you're planting and the type of soil you're planting in. 
So it is something to, to think about and pay attention to, you know. Yeah, there's North not absolutes. Um, we had mentioned, or I, I think recently, about how you can have your soil tested and getting that sent out is easy to do. It's not expensive. And it can really give you a clearer picture where they tell you, you know, what's deficient. And now, Marshall, where do you where did you go to get our soil test? I did it through the cooperative extension. Every state has a cooperative extension. In New York, it was the Cornell Cooperative Extension, but every state has it. And here in North Carolina, um, we have different seasons for soil testing. So in another week, they start charging for it. But usually there's times where you can have free testing. And when they charge for it, they were really sorry and told me how upset they were that they had to charge me because we moved in at the end of January last year. It was $4 a test. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I could do $4. That's yeah, fine. And we ended up, you know, you do, depending how big your yard is, you know, if you have one field that you're working with, then one test, you know, that's all you're going to need. Um, but they we, do different ask, areas. Yeah. Yeah. They do ask you um, what you want to grow there. You can send away for more detailed soil testing, but the cooperative extension asks you vegetables, flowers, landscaping, grass, what you want to grow there. And then when they test it, they give you the pH, they give you the general nutrients, and they break it down on how much you should add per acre and you can divide it um, to get a smaller plot. But that already gives you tailored things. So if you don't know what you want to grow, you can choose multiple things and they'll tell you based on crop. But they really um, tailor it towards what you want to grow. So vegetables like a little bit more acidic or less acidic. Flowers like more acidic. So they will do a recommendation based on that. Um, I know yeah, you're you a big flower grower, Kevin, so. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Actually, you know, that's the thing. When you're feeling depressed thing. about a socialist world that you live in, just having nice flowers. You know, you always used to see the commercials with the little girl and the flower for, you know, with Russia. Yeah. I don't know. Of course. Of course. Right. Yeah. You were saying you were starting a seed growing room. So when you guys yes. start your seed, how do, how do you usually how do you usually do it? All right. So we want to keep the room a, a set temperature. Um, Marcia, well, I don't know, kind of lay out she, 65. Um, the big thing that plants need to start growing and me and Marcia were just discussing this is it's not just your frost date. Obviously frost can kill certain seeds and, and, you know, do more damage than, than good, but, uh, not just your frost date, but you also need a certain amount of light time. Um, she was saying, you know, a lot of plants, it, they require as much as 10 hours a day. And that's the thing, like you might be able to start your seeds really early in like Florida or something, um, where, you know, you're, you don't have a, a frost date that, you know, where it's very early, but what will happen is you may not get the sunlight in order to, you know, really it's cause those plants to grow. Yeah. It's not just sun, it's length of day. So you could put your plants out in Florida and they would be absolutely fine. They're not going to die because it gets down to, what, 40 degrees, like in the middle of winter once in a while. 
but they're not going to grow. So they're going to be in limbo. So you have to make sure that you still fertilize them once a month and um, make sure they get enough water, but they won't look like they'll really take off until you get a 10 hour day. And we're right on the cusp of it now, a little bit south of us, they already have a 10 hour day. So their plants are starting to do more and plus it's Um, warmer, but it's a weird combination of daylight and not just strength of sun, just day length overall and temperature. Yeah. You'll also notice like it's really right around when your chickens start laying. Um, when your chickens start coming back into full production, it'll be like that same coinciding kind of thing. Cause they're looking for the daylight also. Um, another thing, so you had mentioned, you know, starting the seed room, but that was my point is you want to be able to set up lighting. Um, so you need the temperature and you need lighting so that the things will start to grow and, and germinate and act the way that they're supposed to. Go ahead. Right now I, I, uh, I remember a few few years ago. You want to be careful because I remember a few years ago the um, uh, the ATF uh, no, it was the DEA raided a retired FBI agent's house uh, because they had a a grow operation going on in their basement. Yeah, and and uh, you, they busted them for growing tomatoes in their basement. Yeah. You know, they set That's up. Risky. You know, yeah. What they what they did was they they could see that grow like you know a, a higher electrical use during you know, 10 hours a day and then off and it was consistent every day. So it was obviously a timer running and they used that to get a warrant. That was enough. No word on, on whether or not they shot their dog. I, I can't no, remember. No, you but, didn't get any details. But they I did, think we yeah, can just assume. Around, so, yeah. We can assume they shot the dog. because I think so. I think it could just, I mean, that's just a given, right? That, that's most likely what would happen. Well, for timers for lights, you definitely want 16 hours, not just 10. But I mm-hmm. actually had a conversation with our neighbor who's a sheriff because I was he like, you might issues. notice that our lights uh-huh. are on. But if you want to come over and check it out, you're more than welcome. Make sure it's not hot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Everybody's growing pot these days. That's what I hear. Um, yeah, it's the new bumper crop. The new bumper crop. Yeah, that yeah, sounds great. Yeah, you can great. tell your tomatoes on the side of the road, but... um, So, like, what are some seeds that you'd typically start? Like, oh, what are you guys thinking? You oh. were saying seed starting room, too. Yeah. So, if you have heating mats, that will help the germination. Because if your room is 65, the air temperature is 65, but the soil is not 65. So, if you went to 75, your soil would probably be 65, And between 65 and 75 is the ideal soil temperature for seeds to germinate. Once they pop and you have green, you don't need as much heat, but you need more heat when the seeds start. So if you have a heating mat, you can do that. If you have a sunny window, you can do that because that'll generate more heat. But it's Mm -hmm. a delicate balance because you don't want the seeds to dry out. And if you do a seed tray, there's little pockets of dirt that will tend to dry out. You can't get them too soggy because if they're soggy, they'll just rot and disappear. So it's a fine line to walk. We use humidity domes on all of ours, or you could wrap it in a clear plastic bag to keep the moisture in. So you don't have to, once it's moist, you just keep it moist by covering it. And that way you don't have to water it as much. But 
the heat mat will make it germinate quicker. And then once it germinates, you can take it off the heat mat and put light on it. Now, that was one of the things we ran into where we went in and we bought all these seed trays at like Lowe's or whatever. And then you had to buy the dome, you know, the little plastic cover for the tray separate. And they were charging like a dollar or $2 for that clear plastic uh, cover. And it just kind of blew me away that it's like, I'm really paying $2 for this crappy piece of plastic. That's not even gonna, you know, and you're buying right. a stack of like 30 or something, you know, and you're like, Oh my God, you know, that's, it's dramatic. You know, you're like, Oh my God, yeah. it's so much for nothing. Right. Right. And there, if, if you're doing a small setup, there's a lot of options you can do, you know, stuff you might've just thrown in the garbage might be perfect for, you know, yeah, yeah milk thing. jugs are great for that because you can just cut them like three sides, a gallon milk jug, cut three sides, and then flip it back when you put the dirt in there and plant the seeds, and then flip it back over to make your little cover and everything. And those are great because you can start the seeds in there, and then when it starts to get warmer, stick it outside because it's like a little mini greenhouse. It'll keep the heat in a little bit. You take the cap off, moisture gets in there uh, from snow and stuff like that or rain. And if it gets like freezing cold, like 28, 32, you bring it inside. But above 32, things like um, pea starts you can do in there. But peas grow really easy. I don't even know why you would have to do it in a jug. But um, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage are really cold hardy. Start them inside. When it gets to be 40 degrees, you can bring them outside and, and start to acclimate them to everything. Those you can even plant before you even have your last frost of the year. And if it gets to 28 or 32, Put the top of a milk jug on it or cover it with a row cover or an old sheet or something like that just to keep the frost off of it exactly. So what are some seeds that you'd be starting? Like what, what kind of timeline are you looking at for before the frost or, or something like that? Well, some of them go super early and they say you can plant uh, like six weeks before the frost a lot of kale, cabbage, um, lettuce, but peas, they say to put out there. But a lot of times you have to start it an additional like four to six weeks before that inside. So if you're starting broccoli, I start broccoli and uh, cabbage super early. I start um, herbs even earlier. So if you grow any herbs, you start them like 12 weeks before your last frost because they grow super, super slow. Um, right. I know some things like, like lettuce and, and um, cucumbers and uh, spinach, they're not really worthwhile starting inside because they grow so fast. Right. But a lot of those uh, other vegetables, a lot of the, heavy, the heavier vegetables take a little bit longer of a growing period to, to mature. Right. So broccoli, cauliflower, and cabbage grow really slow at the beginning. So I usually do those about eight to 10 weeks before the last frost. Um, but peas and spinach can be planted in the cold. And my last frost is, I forget what day, April 16th about. 
But when you look up your last frost date, which you can Google and it, you can do it by town or you can do it by zip code and it'll tell you your last frost. But there's always a lot of confusion because they'll say 30% chance of last frost, 50% of last frost. So you have to kind of gamble a little bit. Usually the very last frost date they give is a minimum chance of getting a frost after that. If you want to gamble a little bit, you could do like two weeks before and that'll be your 50% chance of getting a last frost. But never from a prepper kind of viewpoint, you don't want to plant all your seeds at one time. You know, do some the recommended time do some two weeks earlier do some four weeks earlier and figure out what is the best time for you to plant it i planted all my peas in march and it got so warm here that i hardly got any peas i'm planting peas next week here Mm -hmm. and my last frost is april okay let's talk about hardiness zones real quick i know um you know there's there's one through 13 is, is the hardiness zones in, in the United States. Uh, one is the, the colder areas and 13 is, is warmer areas, right? Correct. So I'm a, I'm a six. Uh, the lowest one in the continental United States is a three, and that's that's in Minnesota. Uh, the high, highest is 11. That's in the Florida Keys. So the one, that's Alaska, and the 13, that's Puerto Rico. Those are the, you know, the outside ones. Um but everywhere in the United States has a specific designated hardiness zone that can g- give you a good idea of when to start planting, um, you know, what to expect, when, you know, when you're going to be harvesting and all, all those sorts of things. So it's important that you kind of uh, just get an idea of where you're at on that scale. Yeah. Now, the hardiness zones have changed a lot. Climate change, people. Yeah. You want to argue yeah, with me over that? Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> Because when I was in New York, um, which is only a year plus, like a year and a couple months ago, my hardiness zone was 5B. And now they're saying it's 6. Where I am now, they said it was 7A when I moved here. And now they're saying it's 7B. So I'm just saying something's changing. Changing a little bit. Now, I I feel bad because we're doing this show, uh, you know, here getting ready for our spring. Um, which is happening in Northern Hemisphere. But I was thinking about uh, Hamish in uh, Australia and Tasmania. So I was looking up their hardiness zones. They don't actually have uh, hardiness zones. They no. have uh, climate climate zones is how they designate theirs. So uh, They're in the heat Northern- of summer right now. So their harvests right. are booming because I have some flower farming uh, people that I know there. And it's crazy, the temperature. So they were in early spring, like two months ago, I want to say, and they're in the heat of summer right now. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, now, some of the different zones there, you know, uh, Australia has a, has a pretty wide stretch from, you know, northernmost north and southernmost south. And, uh, you know, it goes from the northern part of Australia is, is the... Uh, equatorial zone so you know that's the hot area down in tasmania where hamish is that's that's a a temperate zone is what they call they don't they don't number theirs they have names for them so i thought that was that was kind of interesting did you do any research for our friends in china did you work them out 
I, I no, I didn't. I didn't. I know we have a big uh, uh, ninety-two people that continually listen every week in Beijing, and All I don't right. know what the zone is in Beijing. So okay, All so right. be interesting. The own. zones and also what kind of soil they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because I was seeing a lot of clay soil in Australia, but I don't know if it's like our clay soil with the uh, uh, the acidity and everything. So that would be really interesting to find out their soil differences. That and which way the toilet bowl swirls when it, you know, flushes. I mean, these are things we need to get to the bottom of. This is all important information. Yeah. You see, your your guys are lucky that you can't see it because the wife's giving me the rage face. <laughs> no, there, like... I'm not. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like the zone. So people I know that are in. Um, Washington state have the same zone as I do right now, but they have totally different rainfall, humidity, all that stuff. Yeah. Daylight too. So it does affect it a lot, but I mean, there should be, you should be adventurous a little bit. If you're trying to grow food, the sooner you can get stuff in the ground, the better it's going to be, but don't, don't do it all at one time for sure, but start peas early. Spinach you can put in the ground and plant really dense and plant it out and make sure it gets enough moisture and see what it does. I'm putting spinach in too, just to see. Yeah. Because I don't know. And I mean, it's cooler now. So most of the time we're above 40 now, but some nights we get down to 28 and everything and I don't know what it's going to do. I know that I waited too long because I was so used to New York last year that a lot of the cool season crops I didn't get a lot of. Like I got limited broccoli. I don't think I got any cauliflower. It never headed up. Um, Spinach. I had germination on carrots. Mm. Yeah. Cauliflower not coming up. That is a tragedy. Yeah, so terrible, so terrible. I I cannot stay in cauliflower. <laughs> um, another thing to think about is cold frames. Um, so you know this is like yeah. you know the box with the window over it. Now, this will allow you to start things early and extend your season. In the end, you know you can put it over plants that are already grown and set them in as things start to get colder. You know, and and having them where they're movable or things where you can just leave them flipped open. You know, it's like a raised bed where you can just leave it open all the time and then close it up when, you know, hey, we're getting a frost tonight or, you know, something's going to happen. And that can buy you a little bit more time, especially with, I mean, would you use them for like root vegetables and things that don't like to be transplanted? Things but like root that. vegetables are pretty cold hardy overall. They're usually so okay. Yeah, you don't usually need them on that because even if they're growing in the ground, unless you get the hard hard frost, then the they'll just stay in static. It's like an outdoor refrigerator. Sorry. Right, right. And a lot of those, a lot of those ones, you know, the root vegetables are really, uh, you know, are really good at good for that sort of stuff. Yeah, because even when you can harvest them, the old-fashioned way was to cover them in sand or put them in sand just like they would grow in the dirt and keep them. So why not? I mean, it's a lot of things that I don't know about 
is the season extension. So if it's already growing, you can put a, a row cover over it, which is just lightweight material when it gets 28-ish, and they'll still be the same. If you have snow cover, you don't even have to cover it because it insulates it from frost. So if it's right. covered with snow, it's fine, and it'll, it'll stay there fresh. It won't grow more, but it'll stay like in a static thing, staying cold, staying fresh, and then you can just harvest it when you need it. But if the ground is frozen, that's when you start to get rot and not be able to dig it out at the same time, too. Right, right. The ground is frozen. You can't really get, get in there to get to them. Right. But, uh, you know, carrots, potatoes, all those root vegetables are, are, you know, you can really harvest them very late in the year yeah. and still have, uh, still have fresh vegetables. If you have uh, leaves that you can cover it with it like four to six inches deep will insulate the ground enough where the ground won't freeze and you can still dig them out. Yeah. I mean, I used to have a friend in New York who would uh, grow figs and they would take the fig plant and uh, just like build the, I think they took um, chicken wire and put a circle around it and would just pile up the leaves, you know, to cover the bush to make it through the winters, you know? And I mean, there's oh, always options if you're willing to try uh, we had a friend in New York who, uh, actually had a big greenhouse where they would have orange trees that they would bring out and have them growing in the summer and then bring them into the greenhouse all winter, you know? So like in big pots. Oh, well they were, yeah, they were, they would put them in giant pots, but they would actually throw them in the ground and dig out the big hole really? and then throw them in giant pots in the, uh, in the greenhouse. But That's this guy had more money than, uh, you know, more resources available to them where people could spend a lot of time doing nonsense, you know? Yeah. Like growing oranges in New York. Right. Exactly. You know, we all have dreams, right? Right. Right. No, that's it. Yeah, I, mean, no, that's... I feel like ultimately oranges aren't that expensive. As long as they're at that store, I'll, I'll just stick with that. You'll just stick my, with that. All right. That's fair. That's what South America is for, right? That's right. To That's grow right. them in the uh, the off season for us. Yeah, not All right. bad. Um, so, so, what do you guys now? Uh, I I like to visit a lot of like you know um, older houses, like the older mansions. There's a lot in this area. Um, Roosevelt had has a house up here, and and uh, a lot of uh, wealthy people from uh, you know from a hundred two hundred years ago, uh, and. I like to tour them because they always have gorgeous gardens and they always have good ideas when it, you know, things I wouldn't have even thought of. They have going consistently uh, because they didn't have refrigerators and, and uh, you know, uh, greenhouses and things necessarily, but they would work with those, those cold frames quite a bit. Um, and I always thought that was real interesting that the big setups they would have, you know? Yeah. Um, they would have raised beds that just had, you know, basically there are windows that you know right. you could lift up on a stick or whatever to give it air, but also, you know, you could adjust the glass so that it's, uh, it's facing where the sun is that part of the year. Yeah, it is pretty cool. They had those like, uh, bell shaped, um, cloches too. If you were richer, you had the glass that went over the individual plants to make a mini greenhouse, um, a lot of people, if you do it by a stone wall, like brick or stone wall, will throw off heat too. And you can lean windows just against that, make a hay bale 
uh, mini wall in front of it just to shelter it and prop up your windows on and give the plant some space besides where the window hits the ground. I mean, that'll work and make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. I mean, being able to extend your season, you got to realize it's not just the benefit of, um, you know, being able to grow longer, but you got to think about like, you can, it's a way to store the plants, you know, when your peppers and, and things are still on the plant, they're staying fresh and growing. You don't have to worry about keeping them refrigerated or in a cooler, you know, um, root cellar or something like that. You're extending the grow time. So they're fresher longer. And that's, you know, a big thing. And that's where you get, you know, cold frames and stuff can really be a huge asset you know, and that's really honestly the same with like row covers and stuff like that. I kind of dread row covers and running out and having to cover everything every freaking night and whatever, you know, when you go through the colder, you know, season trying to extend every day you can get out of it. But by doing that, you're keeping the fruit and vegetables and things fresher longer. So I still have lettuce, uh, kale, Swiss chard, um, had beets, but they didn't do really well. Um, so I just have a few of those that are still in the ground from fall. And we're still harvesting those now. And so if they were a certain size, they kind of hang out in limbo. And then when it gets warmer out, they'll take off again. Think of how lucky you guys could be to have vegetables all year long. Chuck's favorite. Mm-hmm. Kale, Swiss chard. <laughs> Now, vegetables are, are really the important. The cold frames, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Vegetables are cool, too. Why? Well, I mean, vegetables are, are very dense in nutrients. And uh, it's easy to get, you know, pre- as preppers, we do a lot of stuff like rice and, and you know, uh, easy things like that, you know, that are high in calories. But vegetables are really dense in nutrients. And uh, you need a good mix of both. And if you're stuck inside and you can't, can't go out and, you know, you have to live off of your, your rice rations. It's great to be able to supplement that with some, with some vegetables and stay healthy. Definitely. Um, I mean, tech, you know, everybody's worried about COVID right now, right? So mm-hmm. these are the things that matter. You know, they say that vitamin D is a huge, you know, benefit during COVID. Um, vitamin C, you think of that, uh, immune you know they that some school teacher came up with some little packets that are like right i remember that you know whatever i don't know but the big thing was like they were the high dose of c and they had your vitamins in there you know your b12 a couple of big things that really keep you going um people always talk about you know oh i hate the winter because i always get sick well the reason you get sick is because you're a lot of people become vitamin D deficient in the winter time because right. you're not out in the sun absorbing it, you know, that kind of thing. But every bit of, you know, extra help by that you can have by having fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and giving your body the vitamins and nutrients that you need. And like you said, and fiber and fiber, I don't know about that, but you know, I've heard stories. Um, I mean, you know, hamburgers have buns, right? So, right. I don't see why it's a problem, but you know, to each his own. Um, but that's the kind of thing you need to, you know, find ways to supplement. Plus I guess vegetables are cheaper than meat. 
So, I mean, you could eat vegetables to offset, you know, your expenses, your food will go a little longer, you know, there might be a purpose for vegetables. I'm not sure. (laughs) Chuck, you're almost sounding like you're going to become a vegan. I I know. I am practically a vegan. Um, You know, to each his own, right? Yeah. No, I actually just uh, recently started taking vitamin D. I I mean, hypothetically, we should all be taking all our vitamins, but, you know, if you eat healthy, you don't necessarily need to. Uh, But I do take a vitamin D supplement. Well, yeah, being a professional, right, but being a professional sewer plant worker, how many times do you see pills coming through and people's poop are just rolling by in the plant? So You would not believe how many amazing things people flush down toilets. That don't get digested or just go well, in there randomly, huh? Yeah. You know what you see in sewer plants a lot is actually dentures because mm. people throw up and throw their dentures up into the toilet <laughs> and then flush them without thinking. So believe it or not, a lot, a lot of detriment. If if you ever uh, do throw up, <laughs> you got a couple of spare set. Yeah, go down to the yeah, go down to the sewer plant. They might have it. Uh, <laughs> you got a couple of spare sets there. Just rinse it off. And you're good. So I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot of things, but that's the idea. You know, I was out there plowing. Um, uh, I was kind of excited about what I was able to get done. It's amazing, you know, when you start to get the tools, cause like we had a bit of land, but it's, you know, I don't know. We debated for forever of, do we buy a big tractor, you know, and, and I say a big tractor, I think it's a compact tractor, you know, um, mm-hmm. you debate about, is it worth spending the money? You know, you're realistically, you're probably for something with a loader, you're probably spending a minimum of $15,000, and you know yeah. that's a big yeah, expense, but right, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, but you have to weigh what's your time worth, you know. And I'm not saying everybody should buy a tractor, but if you have a decent size piece of property and you're doing a lot of work with it, you know, I I kind of ask myself, I'm like, all right, you know, um, I think with the tractor, I did like a, a four year loan with it or something, and it's like four hundred bucks a month, and I have some implements and, and different things. And, you know, so in my mind, I'm kind of like, all right, did I get 400 hours worth of work out of this for this month? And Mm -hmm. so far, I feel like, you know, we pretty consistently get a thousand hours worth of work out of the tractor when I trade off like, oh, could I work an extra weekend at work and make the money to, you know, offset my time out there? Could I do this whole field in that same day? course we're driving 15 year old cars and 20 year old cars talks about the ugliness let's have priorities well i mean it does it does come to it down to a a matter you know it's not physically possible for somebody with a regular full-time job to do as much work as they might want to be able to do in their yard and if you can you know increase your productivity by spending a little bit of money then sometimes right. it's worth it and sometimes it isn't. You know, now, it's something that again, if you have buy. two acres, probably not justified buying the bigger tractor. But I mean, it's the same thing. Do you buy a lawn tractor? You know, yeah, if you have a small front yard, you just use a lawnmower and you'd be ridiculous to buy a lawn tractor. But right. if you're spending six hours a week cutting the grass, then maybe a lawn tractor is a step up. You know, you got to right. decide. And Honestly, can you make money? Can you earn money where you are? You know, can you offset it 
I mean, that, that really is a big factor. You have to decide, can I, you know, whatever. But I'm, my point is not that I have a cool tractor and I'm trying to make you all jealous. My point is I that think he's trying. you get the cool things yeah. that, you know, you get the tools that make your life easy. And that's the point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, that's a good, that's a good point. I mean, you have to really kind of think about, uh, <clears throat> you know, how much you want to invest in, in that project. Is it something you just want to grow a couple tomato plants in the backyard just, just because, or, you know, are you, you know, really trying to supplement your food yeah. with, uh, and maybe you know, I really had to do the hard sell on the tractor. Cause I was trying to justify to the wife that we didn't just buy <laughs> it to make the shooting lane. You know, and, and clear the uh, the woods to have the the hundred yard and two hundred yard range, and you know, uh-huh. it might be worth it just because he's happy riding on there for a couple hours, and I can. She have just likes me and out quiet. of the house is the thing. She's like, "Oh, what? Don't you want to go ride on the tractor?" And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, actually, I do." So there's that. I don't know. That's what I got. Yeah. But there's a lot of hand tools too, so. If you don't have a digging fork, that's huge. That made a big difference in how we handled the dirt because it was so much easier for somebody with my upper body strength to dig into the dirt than a shovel. That's the broad fork? Put, or what do you no, mean? just the regular, there's a digging fork. Okay. It's like heftier tines on it. Yeah, I think I bought it at Ace Hardware for like 20 bucks. You know, it wasn't that but big of a deal. Everywhere, Tractor Supply has it. It's just mm-hmm. thicker than a fork that throws hay or something like that. Yeah, they're but, like an inch wide each, you know. No, they're like, right. well, maybe it yeah, is an, an inch. <laughs> they're about an inch wide each, you know, rung in the fork. And, uh, right, wider yeah. than a standard pitchfork, but yeah. That's, but it moves a lot easier than using like a regular spade or shovel, you know. Um, you're able to break up big clumps and a little easier on her back and whatever, where she can do a lot more on her own. Yeah, so that that made a huge difference. Um, hose make a big difference where you don't have to get down on the ground and weed and stuff like that with loosening up dirt and everything. And it's just hand tools that are in everybody's price range. Yeah, Um I, I probably mentioned at some point, but like we bought this rogue hoe, it's called, uh, where the blade is like a triangle. And, you know, we had great success with that. Um, if you guys, you know, message me, I'm sure I can send you a link to it or whatever. And that was a little pricey. I mean, that was like 60 or 70 bucks. But a big difference in that than a regular flat edged hoe that was thinner, that didn't keep a sharp edge, that I had to work so much harder to do. And that was... But even when we first started it, like a regular hoe, I mean, get out there with a grinder and sharpen it up, you know, make it a freaking nice blade that you can make the tool that you can afford work for you, you know? Um, And then there's even more. I mean, when you get more advanced and more into it, uh, we buy, I, I don't even know, what are the last hose that I bought you The with the sharp blade? Or oh, they're not hose? I don't know. They are. One's a collinear hoe. A collinear hoe. Um, that basically has like a razor blade edge. Yeah. And that's meant for like really getting in and around the plant. But they were also like 70 or 80 bucks each. I mean, they're not, you know, maybe depending on the size of your garden, you know, that's the thing. You buy something relative to your garden, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing, you know, a, a 15 by 10, you know, plot, I probably wouldn't spend 80 bucks on a tool, um, unless money comes easy for you, you know, you decide. Right. 
Right. But I mean, do tools do, you know, I mean, they do save a lot of, a lot of work if you have the right stuff and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's worthwhile just looking around a little bit, you know, shopping around a little bit and seeing what you see, what they have out there and, and, you know, what is going to be beneficial for your type of garden and what, you know, what might not be. Right. Maybe you just need a giant machete to fight off the snakes, you know? That's true. That's true. It's important to have. So for seed starting, you should think of what your family likes to eat too, because we found out everyone loves cauliflower, but uh, you want to start broccoli, kale, cauliflower, chard now and peppers surprisingly even though you can't plant peppers out they grow a lot slower than tomato plants do so you could start pepper plants like eight to ten to twelve weeks early and then if their roots get too thick pot them to a bigger pot but usually they stay a lot smaller than tomatoes if you start peppers and tomatoes at the same time the difference is unbelievable they're Tomato plants are like four times the size of pepper plants in the same amount of time. But you don't want to go too early, too. So if I started tomato plants now, they would be all root bound. They would probably get blossoms inside and not really flourish outside. So you have to be careful to not start things too early because you want to transplant them out between six and eight weeks after you start them. Now, I don't know when you plant beans or where you plant them. What beans, do do? you beans don't start inside. We start them outside. Yeah, you start them outside because they're real fast before, grower. Uh, no, they have to be after frost. After frost. Yep. So the week of frost. Beans are just after the last frost. Yep. So something like that. But peas you can do now, before. I know my wife beans. likes to start a ton of beans because she loves to feed the rodents and talk about how we don't get any and she really enjoys that. So if you like to feed well, bunnies and groundhogs, and they beans. love you beans. Just, you need to kidnap and, and relocate some feral cats. Is that what it is? Feral cats? Yeah, just, just nasty, mean cats that hate Something everybody. like one everything. eye. Yeah. Right, that's the one you want because he's, you know, he's out there killing stuff. Maybe you should plant uh, catnip. On the edge of your to neighbor's yard cats. to attract them back there and put your vegetables. You don't want to plant it. Yeah, you don't want to plant catnip in your garden because then you're going to be pulling weeds and stick your hand in cat shit when you're digging. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's. But fun. around the outside of your yard, that's 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 a good idea. At the farthest point of your garden, <laughs> or away from your garden. I think we need like a bobcat, something in between. You know, um, mm-hmm. who knows? So beans go in. The week of frost or the week or after that, that's when you would transplant your tomatoes, your peppers, cucumbers. You start outside. That would be in warm weather too. zucchini, um, corn, all that stuff is after frost. Yeah. You know, I don't think no. ever in my life we've gotten a plate of beans out of the uh, garden. We oh, we have. I just didn't know that's what happened. Now, I've always had bad luck with with corn. I know, uh, Marsha, you talk sometimes about the three sisters, the, the beans. Yes. The I'm doing the that this year, but I'm doing popcorn because uh, I don't know what we <laughs> no, have. We don't know so, what we're going to get. So raccoons and squirrels and deer and all that will eat sweet corn. So usually right when it's perfectly ripe, they will eat it the night before you harvest it. 
Right, right. So, I had that ex- same experience. Yeah. So I'm going to try popcorn because it grows a harder seed and they won't eat that, supposedly. I'm going to try that this year. So I'm going to do popcorn, pumpkins, squash, and beans, pole beans on the corn. Okay. All right. So we'll now, see that, how that goes. It seems like that might be difficult to harvest. It doesn't doesn't become a pain in the neck trying to get the, the corn and not the beans or the beans and not the corn and that, that sort of stuff? When they get intertwined? No, because... Well, I don't know if you did sweet corn. I wouldn't know how that worked because I didn't check into it as much. But I would think corn takes longer to harvest. Beans are a quick mm-hmm. harvest. And then the squash that grows along the base is supposed to have like the little prickly stuff along the stem. So that okay. that is supposed to deter the raccoons and everything from getting the corn. But it's not too hard to step through. I mean, they're big, giant leaves and stems and stuff. But that will all take longer. So if you do winter squash at the bottom, that will that will ripen last. Uh, you start the corn first, and then you do the beans. So the beans grow up the corn stalk, but the beans you'll be picking for a long period of time. The corn will ripen at the end of summer, and then the squash will ripen in the fall. So it's okay. different times right. of harvest. And, and Marsha's used to dealing with prickly, so, you know, with my fun personality. So it works out. Yeah, now that's that's good. That's I've never I've never done all three at once. I've, you know, I've done them all separately. But um it is uh Well, this will be my I'll first year, it, but... so we'll see. Yeah. This was <laughs> right. this was supposed to be the year I've been reading that uh I always talk about how I want to do it and I never get to it is uh the secret garden of survival um every year I'm like oh I'm gonna set up like a food forest and and set it up where you know I have all that growing and basically he does stuff that comes back every year so you're not really ever having to you know deal with seeds and and they're pulling out you know the five gallon buckets of food I haven't done it but I keep dreaming about it but I haven't gotten to it yet so we'll get there um, it's just, you know, laying out everything and getting a new property set up is always tough. And, you know, but yeah, for those of, of you who are more established and have your, your garden going, like it's old routine. Um, I think the guy's name is Rick Austin, but, uh, either way, the book's on Amazon and, uh, it's expensive. It was like a $29 book. And, uh, but I gotta tell you, uh, I'm excited to give it a shot. Yeah, you, you, have, you have to have a friend like Chuck because I borrowed that book from him for that for was a way while. easier. Yeah, I think yeah, you borrowed it and never returned it, so that is really the best. Uh, oh, that is the best way. I think I see it on the bookshelf right now. Yeah, that sounds right. But it's definitely a, it's definitely an interesting book. He's got a lot of great ideas in there. Yeah, and, and they just talk and, about I mean, what kind of plants will keep going, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in your garden too. If you're doing things, there's a lot that you can interplant that I'm just getting into now. So if you grow tomatoes, you should grow basil in among it because it's supposed to be beneficial for two reasons. Um, The basil is supposed to attract the bugs that will uh, fertilize the blossoms on the tomato. They both have things in their roots that are supposed to help each other grow and flourish but um, also drives away d- bugs that don't like the smell of basil. Well, leave your tomato plants alone. 
So there's a lot of stuff. If you grow tall stuff, you grow stuff that needs a little bit of shade in between it. Or I was going through stuff and trying to figure out um, cucumbers. I had problems with bugs on it last time. So now I'm going to try to grow some bush beans in between the cucumber vines because that's supposed to chase away the bugs that the cucumber beetles that I had everywhere on my cucumbers. So those kind of things are interesting to learn about too. And you don't know if it's just really folk story that it's a re- it's, a, it's a story for a reason or it's just a rumor. You don't know. Or you right. could get in touch with our friends at Monsanto and use what what is it that they use to call everything? Up. Roundup. And just yeah. round up the fuck out of you it and just, just buy yeah. some GMO seeds. Well Yeah, I just spray everything down with with uh if it's pesticide. dripping with Roundup, you don't even have to worry about pests. Right. Well I like and buying I, just, I like buying the old right. books that talk about, you know, how they used to grow things. And I bought a book mm-hmm. and it was like, Yeah, when you're converting land to garden just spray everything with roundup it'll kill all the grass and right, everything and it'll be good it's just brown <laughs> yeah. you don't even have to worry about the roots they'll never grow yeah yeah that sounds like no, a way I, mm-hmm. I don't know so i mean that's the idea we wanted to give you the broad strokes but i feel like we kind of touched on some deeper things and you know get you guys out getting started i mean that's the thing it's hard to get motivated when it's cold and you don't want to go out of the house and always like You know, again, we're talking about 65. People are like, oh, if I go down in the basement, it's kind of chilly and I don't like to go there. You know, whatever. Nobody wants to get motivated to do seeds. But man, when you get start getting the real big harvests and and a big bounty coming in, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, it's amazing to be able to take care of your family and give them, you know, real food that one, you grew yourself and hopefully they went out and helped you a little bit with the gardening and, and make things happen. It's kind of exciting. It's kind of cool. Plus to, you know, teach your kids to know how to handle their own, their own business is right. pretty awesome feat. So. And it tastes different. There's a huge world of difference between a tomato that you grow yourself and a tomato that you buy in the store. A tomato yeah. that was harvested somewhere else, bounced around in a truck someplace, sat on a on a shelf for three and days. And they always pick them before they're ripe, so that way they, you mm-hmm. know, ripen on the way, and it's just not the same. So, yeah. you know, th- there are some big benefits, but, uh, you know, everybody has their own choices, and, you know, you do what's right for you. But I would say if you're worried about the world and, and the way things are, then taking action and making sure you have what your family needs, making sure there isn't a chance that your babies are going hungry because you provide the stuff that, you know, you're looking for, then that's what being prepared is. So I don't know. Again, this awesome uh, episode here is brought to you by the packed timer. That would be the club timer three at pack.com. You guys like to be prepared, go out shooting and, you know, take care of business. Um, one way to really step up your game, make you a little bit faster, a little bit, uh, you know, better trained, better able to deal with something. Remember, if you're a second faster than the other guy shooting at you, that's going to help. Um, the big turns out man. you put a bullet in him before he pulls the trigger. That's way better than after he pulls the trigger. Just saying. 
Just something to think about. Um, so you guys can uh, email us if you have concerns, thoughts, um, things you're looking for, things you'd like to hear at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, we do have a Facebook page. I don't know how much longer we're going to bother keeping that going. Um, a lot of people really are choosing not to hang out on social media anymore. They're finding the censorship to be a little offensive. Um, the way I look at it, at least the censors get to read the shit that I write. So, you know, we have that hey. going. I, I get to irritate a uh, nut job, right? Anyway, so there is that. Also, if you're enjoying this, um, one, you know, always supporting our sponsors is great. Two, uh, you can uh, go ahead and leave a review wherever you downloaded this podcast. That always helps. Um, people like to see what's going on, know what they're getting into, and we appreciate it. It helps spread the word. But even better than that, tell somebody about it. Have somebody else listen to the podcast. And more people that are prepared out there, the less you have to worry about people coming and taking your stuff, and the less you have to share with everybody else. You know, you get to enjoy it for yourself. So let's get everybody prepared and, and do that. So with that, stay safe. And we will talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Ooh.